You are listening to The Mystical Positivist. I'm your host, Stuart Goodnick. Joining me is co-host Rob Schmidt. This week on the show, Rob and I speak by telephone with Sotantar Saraj, a widely recognized gong master teacher, kundalini yoga teacher, and kundalini yoga teacher trainer. Sotantar has worked with and had the opportunity to learn from kundalini yoga master Yogi Bhajan, world-renowned gong master teacher Don Conroe, and world-renowned Tantra teacher Mahasattva Ma Ananda Sarita. Sotantar is also a Reiki master teacher, sound therapist, and hypnotherapist. We'll get started with that show after a short musical break. Musical interludes on this show are from a CD called The Sounds of Cape Breton Island, recorded by Ed Herman. This piece is called Gulf of St. Lawrence, Early Morning Gulls and Fishing Boats. is The Mystical Positivist, a radio show dedicated to the application of reason in the pursuit of spiritual practice and development. It consists of commentary, book reviews, interviews, and discussion in and around the local and larger spiritual community. The thesis of the show is that rationality is in no way the antithesis of deep mystical experience. In fact, we assert that it is a necessary ally. I'm your host, Stuart Goodnick. Joining me is co-host Rob Schmidt, director of Taiyu Meditation Center and co-founder with myself and Jim Wilson of Mini Rivers Books and Tea in Sebastopol. Here I be. This week on the show, we're speaking by telephone with Sotantar Saraj, a widely recognized gong master teacher, kundalini yoga teacher, and kundalini yoga teacher trainer in his home base in Los Angeles, Orange County, and San Diego, as well as in Europe. 
Sotantar Suraj has practiced and studied yoga, meditation, and healing since his childhood in Spain until present day. The Hermes Kabbalion, the Patanjali Sutras, the Vijnana Bhairava Tantra Sutras, and the words of Carlos Castaneda became important influences in his life. By his early 20s, he moved to the United States where he continued his study in yoga, tantra, and meditation. Later, he found his connection with the planet gongs, and he devoted himself to learning the ways of the gong, kundalini yoga, and tantra. He was privileged to meet and receive teachings from the master of kundalini yoga, Yoga Bhajan. Sotantar has worked with and had the opportunity to learn from world-renowned gong master teacher Don Conroe and world-renowned tantra teacher Mahasattva Ma Ananda Sarita. He is also a Reiki master teacher, sound therapist, and hypnotherapist. Sotantar Saraj brings the vibration of the primordial sacred sound of the planet gongs to honor our ancestors, their sacred places and traditions, to workshops and retreats around the globe. He is dedicated to raising awareness, inspiring passion, creating balance, and spreading love, joy, and peace to the universal community. His passion is teaching kundalini yoga, tantra, and bringing the healing and transforming sounds of the gong to the world. He has recorded a series of CDs and DVDs that include powerful and transformative kundalini yoga, kriyas, gong immersions, and meditations. All right. Well, Sotantar Siraj, welcome to the Mystical Positivist. Thanks. Happy to be here. Excellent. Well, we had a little bit of uh, uh, communication problems getting this started, but um, uh, we just went through your your background and bio, and um, uh, we are ready to jump in. So I'll let Rob uh, kind of kick it off with our uh, standard first question. Yes, and that first question is to invite you to uh, reflect back on your childhood and youth and, and um, tell us if anything arises about any experiences that you had as a kid and as a young um, uh, teenager or whatever um, that would point to, uh, as you look back on it, that would point to the career that you're, you have taken in your adult life? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I don't think uh, I had, like, any particular experience. I think I mainly was, um the place that I was being held. I mean by that is my parents. And they were just basically like a holding space for me so I can just be whoever I am. Mm -hmm. And um and just uh uh always have this uh wanting to know the unknown or something like that. Or it was just more about uh um yeah, anything that is, you know, beyond the normal and why are we are here, why are we doing this, why is this, just kind of mm, curiosity, yeah. Well, I mean, so really, yeah. So, so as you um, uh, grew older, I, uh, you know, we noticed that in your in your bio and in your website, you um, mentioned that you. Uh, were particularly uh, influenced by the uh, Hermes Kabbalion, the Patanjali Sutra, and the Vijnana Bhairava Tantra Sutras. Were these things that you encountered early in your life, or were these in, in Spain? 
Yes. Uh, and this one of the first things that I encounter was um, a practice in uh, meditation, which was a Zen practice. Mm. And, um, how, I remember how, in my, how old were you then? Um, that was um, probably like about 16, 17, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Go on. And um, before that, uh, I encountered another... Um, book that was called uh, um, You and I think it was in English would be You and Eternity mm-hmm. by a guy named Lobsam Rampa that um, another famous book of him was The Third Eye so basically it was a Himalayan uh, monk young monk that was just um, going through the process of learning things about um, the esoteric and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you were drawn. You were drawn to these things when you encountered them. I take it. Yeah, I was drawn to it. It was interesting because I had uh, in the town that I was in Spain, there was not really a library. So we had a, a library that was coming uh, once a week or so um, into the main town and bus. So it was a library on wheels. Right. And um, and the person in charge of the bus uh, sometimes recommend me different books to read, uh, depending on my interest. So, yeah, that's how. Uh, so, so, so you, you, he, he. Do you think he had a sense that you might like that sort of book, or um, from your previous conversations, or was was it just apparently a matter of luck? Um, no, I don't think it was luck. I think it was. Just um, my um, my drive to find out why the mind works this way and why we are here and why we are awake and why we are doing what we're doing. Just kind of trying to look behind the curtain, basically. Got it. So, so did you find uh, where was your family supportive of your uh, interest in this, or or neutral, or um, how did that yeah, work out? Yeah, it was. Uh, they were just holding the space. There was no really. We had no. They they had no books in the house um, at all. There was just um, um, raising a, a family, and, and that's it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, no, no. They were spiritual. Uh, in a sense, but not something that they were per se reading any books or doing any practices. Mm-hmm. They were just living their lives. And did, did did you have any any um, exposure to the Roman Catholic Church or any other standard religious uh, uh, experience? Yeah, yeah. Uh, being in Spain is a very much Catholic type of uh, religion, and. Uh, yeah, I was um, I was baptized and I was did the communion and things like that there and mm-hmm. uh, so forth and uh, go to church and Sundays and things like that and and later on I I went to a, a school in Madrid the the main town next to the little town that we were on and um, and that uh, a school. Uh, was 
run by Salesians, which is another another branch um, similar to the Jesuits, mm-hmm. but uh, but. Uh, um, and I spent there like uh, about three years or four in the school, going through my what you call here high school and things like that. So. Got it. So, so you um, when you encountered the uh, the book about Zen and uh, the Lapsang Rampa book, what did you do with with that in new information? Um, oh, practice. Yeah, I was just kind of really practicing every day. I would remember grabbing a piece of glass and start looking at it for hours just to see if I can uh, work my clairvoyance and astral travel, working in my own, uh, you know, practices. And um, usually the people around me, my cousins and friends, and they, they were drawn to what I was studying and they wanted to learn more. And I was kind of, in a sense, beginning to read for them and read with them. I think I started teaching over there when I was, you know, there, <laughs> really. Mm-hmm. So so did you find that through, through that practice, were you getting a confirmation of the material, like you were actually you uh, developing more sensitivity, clairvoyant capability, and um, the sorts of things that might figure in things like the uh, Hermes uh, Kabbalion? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was happening. Um, definitely more, more, much more focused and center, and and so forth. And then I began to do different trainings, and and then actually like a retreats, um, week of retreats, and the whole sessions, and um, and um, in Spain, and 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 what happened to be in a convent in a Catholic convent. So it was interesting hmm. <laughs> at that time. They were holding Zen practices in there. So what uh, what brought you to the United States? Because we know that um, in the biographical material that uh, Stuart read earlier, um, you know, uh, you, you came at a fairly young age, I think, to the U.S. Is, is, is that right? Yeah, it was in 1979. Yeah, so... Right after the uh, military started in Spain, and um, the initial purpose to come here was to complete my flight training, because I started flying airplanes in Spain from a pilot there, and then I wanted to hear um, uh, my instructor and my and has his commercial license there. So we're, we're, you know, the phone is cutting out a little bit. I'm not Is there a better location where you get better reception? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we're, we were, it was hard for us to understand the last couple, last few sentences there. After yeah, Stuart. maybe the, is the, um, Let's see if I can move to another place and well, see if we got it. Okay. It sounds better now, by the way. Okay. Well, let's try this then. Okay. So, so, and, um, so what do you got last? Well, we got you to the uh, U.S. in 1979. And that's All about right. it. <laughs> I see. Um, yeah, so then I um, 
um, I came over for to complete my flight training that I was doing in Spain. I got my private pilot license there, and um, um, my instructor flew in Miami, so he says, U.S. probably is a good place to complete it. It's cheaper as the gas and so forth, so I just came over here to complete the commercial license. And the idea was to go back to South America and uh, begin to practice and fly there as a pilot. Hmm. So I was just uh, coming here for about six months. Hmm. So what happened? So obviously, uh, your plans must have changed, I guess, um, or, or or maybe they didn't immediately. But uh, tell us what happened after that. Yeah, it kind of changed. Uh, I wasn't able to fly as often as I wanted to here to get my license. So I um, I began to do some other work here, and uh, um, so after that, uh, I decided uh, to change into uh, another of my loves was um, scuba diving. So I wanted to the water. So mm-hmm. I became a scuba instructor over here too, and, and did that. And uh, uh, but in the meantime, I was also uh, continue with my practice of meditation, with uh, my readings and, and my uh, trainings uh, uh, from martial arts trainings over here to um, to skydiving too. I uh, used to jump in Spain, so I came back here as a hot place here to jump in California. And um, so I began to jump up here too, and, and yeah, so things changed, and uh, decided to stay a little bit longer, and um, then um, just uh, yeah, just kind of one thing went to the next, so. So, so when when in this path did you um, uh, meet and work with Yogi Bhajan? Um, I started in uh, Kundalini Yoga over twenty years ago, and uh, um, you know got attracted by the sound of the gong uh, at that time. Previous to that, I was already working with uh, sound frequencies and, um, you know, binaural sounds and working in the uh, different brain frequencies, listening to this for entrainment, uh, Tibetan bowls, Reiki, all these other practices. And then I connected and Tibetan practices to breathing pranayams. Besides the Zen meditation, then... I, I was introduced to Kundalini Yoga in the studio, and then I uh, right away I decided I'm gonna do the teacher training because I wanted to know more about this. Not because I wanted to teach, but I just wanted to to immerse myself deeper into it. Mm-hmm. So basically, after the first time that I took my training, um, teacher training, I continued taking teacher trainings again uh, and, and become an assistant. And then I was developing the gone. And within that, within the first, uh, like, uh, two years, I, um, I got to, um, go to a course in New Mexico in which, uh, it was, uh, the first time that they taught this course. And 
and a particular prayer that that we use as a as a mantra, and it's called Japji. And then, uh, so in that course, um, Yogi Bhajan came in and and taught um, for a couple of days in there too, and that's when I got to meet him there mm. and and go, you know, deeper into it. Was uh, was your meeting with Yogi Bhajan particularly inspirational for you? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and it's um, yeah, you can really feel his presence. And even though when he came into the meeting, he was in a he was brought in in a wheelchair because he was going through some sickness in his body. Um, but uh, yeah, he was. You know, uh, really moving. You know, coming into tears into his eyes when he was talking to us, and yeah, really, um, yeah, really strong connection with him. And uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, so from what I uh, understand from both the material on your website and talking to some of your uh, uh, students and you know, uh, students of your students, they that. The Yogi Bhajan had said, uh, there's a quote, that the gong is the first and last instrument for the human mind. There's only one thing that can supersede and command the human mind, the sound of the gong. So I'm wondering if you could maybe elaborate on that and, and, and describe for our listeners what the gong practice is really about. Like what, what, is, what are you doing in this and what, what, what does it... Um, promote for someone who participates yes so if we look into ourselves and to our body we we are vibration more more and more we get deeper into science the scientists are agreeing that we are vibration we are constantly everything that we look is in a state of vibration even though for us it looks solid doesn't move or anything but the electrons and everything is moving so we are really vibrational beings and and we come out of that vibration and that I guess you can call it the Big Bang also theory and so forth so when when the sun the gong um, the sound of the gong plays it's like bring us back to the origins of creation so the mind recognized the sound of the gong as the father or mother and when the gong grabs the mind in a sense think of a little little cap that the lioness grabs him by the neck you know first thing that he does is it drops because he says okay my mommy is going to take me to a safe place and uh, i'm just going to go uh, don't disturb so nobody can eat me or whatever so and um so when the gong starts playing and the mind recognizes that uh, connection, it just drops, relaxed into it, and and that's it. You know, from then on, it's just like a um, um, a way to for your own mind to take a mini vacation from from the sometimes what we call the rat race. It just keeps going and going and going and going and going. And when you experience that, oh, I just came from my little mini vacation. Um, then it's like I reset the computer. When you press the button, reset, 
the default settings. And the more you listen to the gong, the more brings that in into the accumulative, basically. So uh, easier you can slide into that um, unplugging, yeah, from the what we call the matrix. Yeah. So that's how, in a nutshell, I can explain how it kind of works. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Does it make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think I think I follow, um, and um, but I, I'm also interested in in um, there was some material on your Gong Avatar website about how uh, how far back thousands of years in time uh, mm-hmm. the gong, the development of gongs has been has been happening in a variety of different cultures. But uh, the other thing I wanted to link to was. My understanding that it's Yogi Bhajan that that um, um, was instrumental in promoting this particular manifestation that you've become uh, expert in is that is that right? Uh, do I have that right? Yes, uh, pretty much every class that he told he had a gong next to him and and uh, you know people bring it in and he just used it to. Um, to enhance the practice or to move the practice to another level, you know. Um, so uh, even he, though I'm sorry, uh, go ahead. Even though we don't uh, in the teacher trainings, we don't make it mandatory to have a gone or whatever related to Kundalini, but he always pretty much had a had a gone next to him for the practices and and to help, and then he taught us how to how to use it, basic steps. How to, uh, you know, open the gong with a prayer, and and how to strike it, the basic strikes, and and so forth, and and how to uh, use it for the practice of enhancing your your yoga practice. So, so he was he was. Um if I understand this from what you're saying here, Yogi Bhajan was kind of the originator of this particular manifestation of the way uh, the gong is used, that, that you use the gong now, and other other gong masters use it. Is that, is that right? Yeah. And um, as far as I know, yeah, he, he's the one that kind of brought it in and to... And to higher state of awareness for people um and you know there's really not a right or wrong way to play the gong but i just enjoy how he uh taught us how to play it you know because anybody can just go and uh, see the gong show boom striking it into the center and things like that and there's some things that the following his teachings we don't do you know to the gong so um and uh, yeah and the age of the gong is you know, the metal started in in China over thousands of years ago. Um, but my belief is that gone even comes even prior to that. I would call it into Atlantis and Lemuria's times, and with sound and light, uh, they were used for healing purposes and for enhancing and practicing and raising our consciousness. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm, I'm interested in some of the particulars about how the practice is engaged. And the first question I have is for a gong 
practitioner or a person who is striking the gong, what what has to be the case in terms of one's internal state? What what does one do as a practice, as a meditative practice, to prepare for actually striking with the mallet onto the gong and uh, creating a sound? Um, first of all, it is our prayer. We chant uh, the mantras, and basically one is for protection, for guidance, and for healing. So the three particular mantras that we chant, and, and that brings you into a place of uh, not being in your ego state, just kind of surrendering and being a channel. Um, more than thinking, oh, which place I'm going to play next to create this sound and this other sound. You're basically being just taken by the energy uh, of the gong and you're surrendering to uh, the sacred sound. Sarasvati, the, the goddess of sound and music, is your guide, basically. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, uh, that's kind of... So, so as a teacher, then, um, in the uh, Gong Avatar Academy, can you tell sensitively how a student is striking the gong like do you get a pretty good uh, four dimensional picture of what state they're in when you hear the sound that comes from the gong yes usually and how they strike the gong and how they hold the mallet and um, it's one of the principles of the Kivali on the law of correspondence as above so below so as you do one thing you do everything so really um and the, the way you play the gong is how you how you are in life, you know. Mm-hmm. And the way, uh, you know, really uh, transparency, and that's how we use the gong uh, in the Gong Avatar Academy, which is more than the gong is also a self mastery training. But we use the gong as a as a as a mirror. Uh, the gong being our body, and the mallet that we strike being our thoughts. So depending how you strike your body with your thoughts, you're going to vibrate one way or another one. So it's about being responsible of your thoughts, being aware of your thoughts, and then how you are striking your body. You create your vibration. You create your charisma. You, that's how you navigate the sound currents of life. That's fascinating. I'm I'm wondering how is this sort of a then a parallel track kind of to to a classical kundalini yoga practice of self-examination? Yes, kundalini is the yoga of awareness, we call it. And and that is basically um, bringing the awareness of oh, what are your thoughts, what are you doing, what's going on, am I, am I awake, am I asleep, am I being unconscious? Uh, because really we are 90% unconscious of whatever is happening, and um, and even our communication when we talk is only 10% of our talk. Uh, that there are words. 90% of the rest of the communication is through other uh, other means, like a smells, like a vibration, like a hint, like a movement. Um, only 10% is verbal. Mm-hmm. So. Um... So I'm 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 intrigued by the by by this discussion of of the vibration of thoughts and how the how the gong 
mm. gong vibration um, can interact with thoughts. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, yeah. We can actually just do a little, a little example. You know, if you go in right now and and think about, um, um, let's say that you are, you can just use your imagination. You are in your kitchen, mm-hmm. and you are uh, there in front of the refrigerator. You open the refrigerator. There is a there's a big lemon right there. You grab the lemon. You put it on your and your cutting table, you use sharpen knife that you have and you just cut it and all liquid comes out of the open and juicy lemon and you bring the slowly to your mouth and you take a bite out of it, yes? Mm-hmm. Mm, what happens? Um, you uh, taste acid. <laughs> yes, you start salivating, yeah. So the body started already vibrating. Wow. Feeling. Oh, I feel it. So it creates it creates all kinds of different chemistry in our body that is happening, mm-hmm. changing our vibration and moving our vibration. So, uh, so when you, if I tell you right now, go ahead, find a moment in your life in which you were so amazingly happy, so on top of the world, you know, like an ecstasy. You know, just find that moment. Uh, maybe you were a child, and maybe you you got this nice toy in the under your Christmas tree, or maybe you were uh, watching this sunset, or this rainbow came out, or or I don't know, this cheesecake was amazing. It's something that that or the first kiss with your friend, girlfriend, or boyfriend. Um, anything that brings you there to that moment, you know. Think of that moment. You get it? Mm-hmm. You have one. Mm-hmm. I have several, actually. Okay. All right. So just pick one. And then right now, I want you just to strike your body with your mind. Feel like if you were there in that moment. Mm-hmm. Okay? Feel it. Just for a few seconds. Feel it. It's happening already. Again. Mm-hmm. Okay. There you go. So... Do you feel any shift in your energy, in your vibration, in yourself? Sure. Your body? Yes. There you go. You were just playing the gong. Ah, I see. So, um, um, and yet, um, my understanding is, I, I mean, the pictures on your website have a whole group of people that you're usually um, playing the gong for, right? So, it's, so when it's a group situation... How does that differ from the individual um, invitation to um, look at the, the quality of vibrations that you just did? The practitioner. Well, before we began the uh, what we call the gong concerts, we call it, but basically we just use the concert because it's a very you know standard word to use here, and people understand it easily. But as um, we created like a vortex, you know, it would be like a gone vortex more than a gone concert that people won't understand as much as uh, talking about that. So this uh, group uh, sound uh, gone's uh, group that we do, we first um, begin by setting up the space with, with the mantras, we set up an intention. So we ask the people to bring an intention, and then 
actually guide them to um, feel that intention already here right now in this present moment. Because it's like if you want you want the rain, yes? You can say, okay, I want to rain because this hasn't been raining for months. And, and uh, you know, we need water for the plants and and so forth. And, and every time we say we want water, we want rain, we are actually saying that really there is no rain right now. There is not existing any right. rain. So mm-hmm. it's about bringing into a feeling of saying, I feel the water drops of the rain moving through my skin. I feel my feet wet and the and the mud as the rain is is reaching me. That's the difference um, from wanting something you are acknowledging you don't have it to actually feeling it. That changes the vibration. That prepares the body and prepares yourself to to receive that vibration and, and keep it and shift it. So that, um, mm-hmm. I was just going to say that that principle you're describing, as I understand it, certainly is a principle of the uh, the, the Western magical tradition or the um, the Hermetic tradition, and that that to that, that the body as a transformer, as as you say, if we if we hold the energy of the intention as though it's been it, it is being realized in this moment that that creates the conditions by which manifestation can take place as as in the contrast to what most people do which is they hold the idea that they don't have something which creates the manifestation of not having it correct that's actually yeah basically one of the principles of the equivalion um which is about to change your mood or mental state change your vibration you know, so and vice versa. Change your vibration, you change your mood. Mm. So it's it's totally hermetic and it's totally uh you can call it magic, you know, but uh that's definitely the way. And one of the practices that we do actually in the academy that is most of the simple practices but they are so powerful. Like at one eleven every uh every day we set up our timers or 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 phone or watch and and at that time we actually bring first bring awareness to our surroundings. Where am I? What am I doing? Am I awake? I'm asleep. I'm in a dream or what I'm what's going on right now. So it's like a surroundings check, like if you do do a checklist on your airplane, you know, check your ailerons, check your gas, your tires, any water in the gas tank. What's going on right now? And after doing that, then you um, you bring in that moment that we were talking about before to activate activate your um, your gums, you know, towards towards a positive vibration. And we just do it for a minute, two minutes, or three minutes. And actually, we do it at one eleven because uh, it's for a couple of reasons. One of them is. Right in the middle of the day, you're going to be the busiest at this time, and you might be driving or whatever, so there's not a place to go and close your eyes and go to a, a room to meditate or to do It's actually to interface it with your daily life and, and see how, how well you can hold it, you know? 
and how you can maintain that. Still, still being able to to do your daily chores as you're doing it, and um, and this is also one of the old practices of kind of good Jeff, um, which is a stopping stopping movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a bell in his um, ashrams and so forth, and when and the person in charge of the bell ring the bell. Everybody's supposed to stop until the bell rings again. You know, and at that moment, it's your 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 chance to to check yourself out. Uh, but in the Vedanta Academy, I I do one more extra thing. We do one more extra thing besides just awareness. When that we want to promote the ability to shift to a, a even more desirable state. Yes. Uh, by feeling it. No so, so, yeah, that's an interesting question there, and it's it's interesting that you bring up the uh, Gurdjieff work in this because both Rob and I have a background in that material. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and one of the things that you know I'm interested in how you relate this that um, when you describe uh, taking that moment of presence to uh, shift into a more desirable state. I think maybe maybe the question I have is, uh, uh, how do we know exactly what is a more desirable state? Like, who who is actually wanting to be in a more desirable state? And, and in one sense, and the reason I say that is that with the Gurdjieff work, there's certainly a period of time in which one pays attention to and just begins to observe the operation of the body and the mind and the heart as it's currently configured and then at some point there's a understanding or a deeper kind of organic understanding of what would constitute a better place to be and and then actions or intentions can be placed and practices done to more consistently make that shift so do you have something that's analogous to that in, in the uh, Gong Avatar Academy, or do you really begin with the premise that there's a good place to be and we should be reminding ourselves, you know, even from the very beginning to get to that place? Um, really, um, that's kind of a good training wheels. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. But because really there is nothing to accomplish. We already have everything that we want to have at this present time, moment, and space. But um, as a training wheels, we have to use these sometimes to uh, to really say, like you say, what is the be- best moment? Okay. Uh, what is the best moment is the bad moment. So, so, uh, so if I just so I make sure I'm understanding, then the... The idea or the modality that there's a better or worse or good or bad or anything like that is a useful device in the beginning as training wheels such that one can develop a a fluency of being able at will to uh, manage their state. But ultimately, when the training wheels come off, it really doesn't matter. It really, yeah, it really okay. doesn't matter. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, totally that. That's what that is, and um, yeah, it's, uh, the point is also to bring uh, a point of uh, harmony in the body. Mm-hmm. When the body is in harmony, there is there's less disease, less problems physically, 
digestion, uh, you know, you're more youthful. Um, and it's, it's between, it's been in resonance, yeah? Mm-hmm. The love vibration of the Kivalent has been in resonance. So that would be a, a nice state to have for this physical body to actually last longer and this, and this one-way ticket that we have in this matrix, you know, in this earth. You know, just to keep it as sharp as you can, and uh, but that that would be it. Yes. Mm-hmm. All, All right. Well, well, great. So uh, we we are going to uh, need to take a break at the top mm-hmm. of the hour, but I'm hoping you'll stay on the line, and uh, then we'll resume. Uh, in about uh, six or seven minutes and continue the conversation because both Stuart and I have further questions. Yeah, and I'm going to turn you off air to Rob so you'll still be connected here and then uh, we'll uh, resume back on air in just a few minutes. Okay? Great. Great. Yeah. You are listening to The Mystical Positivist. I'm your host, Stuart Goodnick. Joining me is co-host Rob Schmidt. This week on the show, Rob and I speak by telephone with Sotantar Saraj, a widely recognized gong master teacher, kundalini yoga teacher, and kundalini yoga teacher trainer. Sotantar has worked with and had the opportunity to learn from kundalini yoga master Yogi Bhajan, world-renowned gong master teacher Don Conroe, and world-renowned tantra teacher Mahasattva Ananda Sarita. Sotantar is also a Reiki master teacher, sound therapist, and hypnotherapist. We'll return to our show after a short musical break. Musical interludes on this show are from a CD called Sounds of Cape Breton Island, recorded by Ed Herman. This this piece is called Atlantic Waves, Smooth Round Rock Beach. Enjoy. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Mystical Positivist. I'm your host, Stuart Goodnick, joined by co-host Dr. Robert Schmidt, director of Tayu Meditation Center and founder with myself and Jim Wilson of Mini Rivers Books and Tea in Sebastopol, California. This week on the show, Rob and I speak by telephone with Sotantar Saraj, a widely recognized gong master teacher, kundalini yoga teacher, and kundalini yoga teacher trainer. Sotantar has worked with and had the opportunity to learn from kundalini yoga master Yogi Bhajan, world-renowned gong master teacher Don Conroe, and world-renowned tantra teacher Mahasattva Ananda Sodita. Sotantar is also a Reiki master teacher, sound therapist, and hypnotherapist. So, uh, Sotantar, I, I, one of the questions that was yeah. coming up f- to me in the first hour 
uh, was, um, would you say that um, the the gong work that you do, is it an art? Is it a science? Is it both? Is it neither? Um, I think it's uh, both. It's okay. a science okay. because it brings the vibration, the knowledge of vibration, and the and uh, you know connection with the planets and the frequency of the planets and mm-hmm. how it got put into the gongs. So there's definitely a science aspect to it, mm-hmm. and uh, and there's also an art in the sense, um, like an artist can just play a trumpet or a jazz trumpet or play uh, any instruments or or Da Vinci can paint his drawings and and bring. Uh, that extra essence of themselves reflected into their work. Like we are uh, a resemblance of the creator, you know. We have got the creator within ourselves and, uh, because we are their, their work of art, basically. So. Got it. Thank you. Um, well, so I, I'm going to invite you also to, because you just mentioned uh, the, the planets and planetary gongs. And for those... Uh, Listeners who haven't heard our, our previous conversation with uh, uh, Manoush Boulder, they, they may not understand what, what a planetary gong is. So I'm hoping you can uh, uh, describe that and um, how those are created and, and used. Yes, I, um, I see the principle of the Cubanian again, the correspondence about so below. So I see like the planet as a, as a reflection of who we are and what we do here in this earth. And a lot of times when the planet gets discovered, many new things happen in the earth, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, depending what planet it was and what happens if you go uh, back in time and look at it, when was discovered, what was happening at that time. So it's like a humanity is ready for another planet to discover or something new to be discovered. So the planets, uh, as we know in astrology, have an effect that um, have a... Um, you know, physical effect and being a magnetic pull, um, you know, moving around the sun and creating different magnetic forces. Uh, so, as uh, frequency means something that you do frequently, you, know, you can achieve <laughs> so many times a, a day or so many times a week. So you have a frequency. How do you uh, brush it? or how you do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so these planets have a frequency around the sun. And uh, and as they go along, uh, that frequency is affecting us. And when some planets' magnetic field, we'll call it the moments uh, in which they're, mo- they're apparently from the Earth looks like they're moving backwards, you know? The ancients used to call it and they're wandering stars because mm-hmm. they thought there were stars, and sometimes they move one direction and sometimes they move the other direction. Right. And other stars were fixed, you know. So up to Saturn, we were able to see with the naked eye. Beyond Saturn, the outer planets, you needed a telescope and a help to be able to see any of that. But, uh, right. but the closer planets, um, through the naked eye, when you look at it at night, you will see that. It looked like a star, but once you put a, a telescope uh, closer, you see the rings. Oh, that's Saturn, you know, 
or less Jupiter. Um, but um, so that's how um, the ancients used to call them the wandering stars, you know. So when they move into a different direction than the usual direction, they create uh, a different antagonistic type of energies also. And uh, we are affected, you know. Uh, if you look at it, the moon, the moon, this magnetic pool moves all the tides, isn't it? 20 foot up, water goes up, water goes down. And that's just the movement of the moon. Now, the other planets are being further away. Uh, they have a more subtle energy effect on ourselves and the psyche. So the theory in this, and with the gongs is by uh, playing that particular gong or that particular energy, you can help um, uh, modify the results. So you can you begin to get used to that frequency before it starts moving in the retrograde or before anything happens. Or if you want to boost that energy in yourself, let's say you want to boost the energy to make decisions, uh, and one good planet for that would be listen to Mars, you know, or uh, uh, you want expansion, prosperity, well, that would be Jupiter, you know. So each one has its own characteristics. So within that, you can use that energy and meditate with that and, and do a meditation for 40 days, 11 to 30 minutes, uh, laying down, sitting with the gun and listening to that particular gun to get your, your body and train to that frequency with that awareness, basically. Yes. And um, um, Does that make sense? Yeah. A question I had is, is the frequency, is it a specific, a, is it a different frequency for each planet and and then the second question is, is the material in the gong itself, the metal in the gong, different for the different planets? No, the material of the gong, different gong makers, uh, manufacturers, and they use a different alloys. Uh, but the same, those manufacturers, they keep the same alloy for the different planetary gongs. The frequency, it is different. Each one has its own particular frequency in cycles per second yeah is that because of, of the shape of it the shape of it or the size I think. or the size no it's the way that the gone is being uh, created by the gone maker and uh, depending how many you know uh, hammer strikes they put in the gone um, mm. they okay. can shape the gone to to bring up what we call the fundamental tone uh, to a particular stable tone because then you start playing the gong and you have a lot of different frequencies and different, sometimes double and triple the, the fundamental tone and sometimes another musical notes. It's like it takes you all over the place. Hmm. The mind really doesn't know what is coming next. So that's why it gets so much bewildered, you know? Hmm. Wow, what is coming on? So the mind is, is tricked by the gong a little bit because Usually a song, you have a rhythm, you have this, but the gong is just like a, a you don't know what's coming next sometimes, you know? So. Right. So um, another question uh, is in the, I know in the uh, hermetic tradition that there is the idea of levels of vibration, particularly on our energetic body or our astral body that represent literally different, planes of existence with different beings or intelligences uh, uh, vibrating at those different frequencies. And one of the purposes of 
magical practice while incarnated in a body is to develop the ability to stay with the vibration of these different uh, uh, realms. I get the impression that the uh, practice you're describing for like systematically going through the different planets serves a similar process that it gives it gives kind of an opening or allows the nervous system to have the versatility to vibrate at many different frequencies. Is am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, you're right on it. Yeah. Because really when as a gong player, when you are playing the gong, you're holding the mallet, you are being aware, you're still in this three dimensional space. But when you're playing and you follow or or practices in the Vanavata Academy, we just uh, cruise through that space, and it's like you have one leg in this world and one leg in somewhere else dimension. It's like you you become the rainbow bridge, mm-hmm. and, and then you are in both places at the same time. As we know, time and space is relative, you know, so, um, so you can be a multi, multi-phase, uh, different dimensions, and, and creating a vortex in which you know, with the proper attitude and proper guidance, you can bring uh, different energies to come in down to do a healing on somebody or in a person or in a group, you know. It's like creating an opening, you know, mm-hmm. like a like a gateway to time, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, 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 what, so in a sense, yeah. like a community of practitioners can, um, through this quality of attention and this quality of presence, hold open a uh, gateway, as you say, so that then th- energy can come through to serve a, uh, a, uh, to fulfill on an intention that the, the group may be holding. And, and an example would be a healing. Is that? Yeah, correct, correct. And uh, it could be a healing of the planet. We also, besides doing our personal intentions when we do the group uh, sessions, um, we also have our group intention, which is sending these sounds to the planet mm-hmm. for healing, peace, love, and energy, you know. So it's, it's like a multifaceted, because as we play the gongs in these events for 10, 12 hours overnight, the planet keeps rotating, you know, so it's like a, the sound never ends, and it kind of spreads to different places. Well, that's uh, in, that, that's interesting. I didn't know that a, that a gong session would go on 10 or 12 hours. That's a long time. Yeah, yeah, we do it for uh, the next one is going to be here on September 21st in in Laguna Beach, and we created we created the space for yeah 10 hours of gong practice, gong playing, and every time it's a particular a particular it's not just gongs. We have an intention. We we are connected with the runic practice of the runes from the Norse tradition. So we pull a room for the next concert, and that guides us into what set of gongs we're going to bring in hmm. and for what kind of energy. And uh, the next one that we have coming up in this September is Sobelu. And Sobelu is wholeness. It's the room uh, of the dedicated to that, to wholeness hmm. and to oneness. There. Yeah. So how does that, how does that, um, I mean, how do you, how do you then from that, uh, runic direction, if you will. Um, how do you, how do you pick which gong gongs you'll play, or in what order, or or? I, I yeah, that, I basically just they just tell me who wants to come. 
Uh, okay. Yeah. So it's sort of an intu- so it's sort of an intu- what what you're saying is when you've been doing when you've become uh, what you would call a gong master, a gong master has then an intuitive sense of of what and how to do this, right? Is that yeah. what you're saying? We actually we actually call it the gong avatar. Um, okay. Uh, uh, we believe we are all avatars. Yes, avatar means uh, basically a soul coming into a physical existence. Okay. And um, more than a bond master, sometimes, uh, you know, in this, what we call the Aquarian Age, so many times that uh, um, we are so overwhelmed by information, and information is so readily available. Everybody becomes master in no time. You know, everybody becomes to create their own their own courses, their own trainings, their own things, and you know, they have the right to do that, and that's good. I just think uh, uh, don't come from that place, come from the place of oneness and, and the avatar, and that's the idea to uh, go beyond the ego, the mm. ego self. Yeah, got it. So I'm, <clears throat> I had a couple of observations to make uh, when our friend... Um, Manush Balder, one of your uh, uh, Gong Avatar Academy uh, practitioners, was um, visiting us. He had a reading list that you had, and uh, fortunate for us, he was at our bookstore. And mm-hmm. even, even more fortunate was there was a, a, kind of a high correspondence between the books you thought were uh, useful and the books we had in the store, which mm-hmm. was which was great for that day's sales. But uh, more importantly. I was struck by just the uh, alignment of um, kind of our views on um, interesting material that supports uh, kind of a, a deeper work along these lines. One of the uh, books you had was Tantra Illuminated by um, uh, Christopher Harish Wallace, that um, uh, who's actually been a guest on this show, and and I was. I was interested because, as you mentioned just a moment ago, kind of the ulti- ultimate goal of uh, uh, egolessness that, um, you know, going back to the Vijnana Bhairava Tantra as as one of the texts that influenced you. I was, wa- I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that kind of, that that ultimate end of the tantric work and how you see, how you see any of this work kind of leading to mm-hmm. this place, this... Uh, uh, place that is beyond the the egoic reality that uh, we spend a lot of time in or, in an ordinary life. Yeah, uh, may I uh, complete a little bit about the planets? Yeah, please. Before we get into that, I just wanted to bring you the picture of the training that we do in the phase one, okay. which is about every time that we meet once a month, we go through a different planet, planetary gone, mm-hmm. and I paint a picture like this. I'm just going to describe you very quickly. We are a sun. We are sun dust. We are stardust. Uh, so that's ourselves. So that's the first gone that we encounter. After that, we go into the mind, Mercury. Mercury is the closest planet. We're going one planet at a time as we're going further away, okay? So the mind, without the mind, there's nothing we can do here in this place. Then we move into Venus. Venus is our passion. And the highest form of passion is love. And we put those two into the next planet, which is Earth. Boom. And then every time that we study a planet, we study 
the the different facets of that planet. Like Mercury is the mind, the intellect, vibration, brain waves, that that Venus is about passion, how we deal with that, how we drive or desire. Then we move into the earth. And and so in the earth we plant our mind and our passion together. Boom. And then we got the moon. The emotions going up and down, going up and down. So we got this kind of magic soup in this earth with our mind or or passion and our emotions driving us, you know, from one way to another. So then we engage with Mars, the ability to get out of loops, to get out of uh, ability to focus. And that will take us to Jupiter, which is expansion. Then we feel, wow, I got out of that loop. What an expansion. I can see that. That's amazing. But then you reach a point into which we are in a certain limits with their third dimension reality. So we had Saturn. Saturn has rings, and rings are your restrictions, the patience, the the uh, you know the discipline. Okay, so we learn about that. From there, we move into once you accomplish those two, we move into Uranus. We are skipping Chiron in this phase, then and we move into Uranus, and Uranus is. The Aquarian age, just you renew self. Wow. You go and do things beyond any habit. You start creating that that self. And from that, you are able to tap into your deeper unconscious and your mystic aspect and to love, universal love of Neptune. There we move into Pluto in which we let go of all the rest of the stuff. Yeah? So that's just kind of our... Uh, layout of the ground and how the phase one moves. Um, do you like that? Yeah, got it. No, that 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 yeah. makes that makes sense. And it, what it reminds me of is uh, the uh, ascension of the tree of life, the mm-hmm, mo- mm-hmm. moving to the you know to a um, in a way more and more expansion, but then at, at some point, as you say, a release. Yeah, you have to let go of that. So that's that's about it, and I just wanted to. I always like the little tail. Yeah, kind of next thing. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I appreciate that. But in a way, that release then kind of ties back to the question I was asking about. Um, you know, the Vijnana uh, Bhairava uh, Tantra and the, the yeah the you know mm. because that 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 body of work, as I understand it, and. Speaks to kind of focus the the attention uh, to the ultimate source of the awareness as a, uh, and and not the condition manifest condition yeah, manifestation yeah. of that awareness. Yeah. So the Vyambara Tantra is basically 112 meditations. So the one that I uh, more familiar with is Osho's The Book of Secrets. And he talks about there the so five thousand year scripture, and it was basically a conversation between Shiva and Devi. Shiva and Devi is like the Shiva being as a tantra teacher in that time, more than just the god Shiva. But um, so Devi asked Shiva, "What is this world? What are we doing here? What is uh, what is who's moving this wheel? What is all this about?" And let my doubts to be clear, and then. Shiva gave her these 112 um, uh, uh, sutras or meditations or uh, you can call it memory sticks 
yeah, <laughs> and which um, you know also interprets them and different writers interpret them a little bit in a different way, and and which you just explore those meditations and go through them. Uh, sometimes people talk about tantra; it's always about sexuality, but really, in the Bikambari of tantra, there's only three, four, four meditations related or five related to intercourse or, or sexuality that way. Mm. Even though we are all sexual and even just the breathing meditations are about sexuality, how the breath comes in and comes out of yourself, we are all sexual. We are sexual human beings, sexual. We, we are created out of sex. We were, everything that we do has that sexuality part of it, the sexual energy, the Kundalini energy, all these things happen uh, uh, different than and that sense, um, the intercourse practice and whatever, but still it's all within that energy of tapping into your higher self energy and to bring it into expansion and realizing that we are already fully expanded, but we think we are not. So these practices and these meditations are amazing. Uh, and... Uh, Sometimes I find this is 5,000-year-old technique that now, right now, people are using them and they're creating their own practice and their own school and their own thing, and they just really come from there, you know? So it's, and yeah, there's, they are using their own works right now and their own things, but really I can see the, the lineage coming from that, from that began by Rav Tantra, uh, and which is about liberation, liberation from sex, liberation from... Everything, even liberation from your own liberation. Um, <laughs> right, but but not but not denial of. I mean, it's, it's, right? It's, no, it's, it's no. like participating joyfully in the uh, the uh, complex creativity of manifestation, but not not to be attached to it. Yes, totally it has to be that in a sense. What happens is when when you go into this kind of a liberation, and you say, "Well, then you know, what's the use to be here?" So, but then. It creates a psychosis because you want or paranoia, or uh, because then you say, "Okay, I, I have to. I want to liberate myself from this, but I, I'm doing. It. I want to do it, or I'm doing it. How can I interweave those two together? How can I still see the earth as a candy store and at the same time be detached from it? Yeah, that's the paradox. That's the dilemma. That's where we put the glue together uh, with our awareness. Yes." Awareness is the glue that keeps those two things together from driving people crazy. Um, and yes, you're correct. The ability to flavor where we do, and at the same time, from a detachment point. Um, it's a great book by uh, Osho, also, The Discourses uh, of Tilopa. Uh, amazing sage, uh, which brought that up. Mm. How can you? cry, how can you be in your emotions and at the same time be detached, you know? Uh, or how can you be happy and joyful and at the same time be detached? How is that possible, you know? Uh, because if you notice a nihilistic type of approach, yeah, nothing bothers me, nothing, I don't, I, I'm beyond that. But then what, you know? What's the purpose? So, and these meditations, the sutras are amazing uh, to to read, to the first five is, is about breathing, it's about breath, and Osho talks about it, that 
Just the first one was what Buddha used to, to get enlightened. Just the gap between the breath. And then you see all the other practices. People do retreats and breathing and all that. You know, just come from there, basically. You know, it's, and yes, people can get downloads on their own, but uh, really, that's just a masterful piece of, of sutras. Ancient them Patanjali. They well, really bring that into it. Yeah. So. Well, thank you. One of the things that that uh, struck me as I was going through the your biographical material on uh, your website and other websites actually um, is that you there's a statement where you say that you bring quote primordial sacred sound of the planet gongs to honor our ancestors, their sacred places and traditions unquote. So I think that's an interesting set of intentions. Uh, in other words, to honor our ancestors, their sacred places and traditions. So, so maybe you could just uh, speak a little bit to that, because it, it wasn't something that I necessarily expected um, to see referenced, and I'm, I'm wondering how that, how that arises for you. And this, it's the, we also call in Kundalini Yoga the golden chain. It's like we all have this golden chain. We come from a chain of teachings and teachers and traditions. So mm-hmm. when we honor that golden chain, we we invoke their presence. Like every time that we do a concert, we, we honor and invoke Sarasvati, the goddess of sound and music. And we do that when we chant the mantras for beginning to play the gongs. Um, and within that, every teacher that came before you uh, honored in them and rather than bringing the ego self into the picture and and thinking otherwise so yeah i'm really um into recognizing that and and so and honor that tradition right I feel, so, I feel the connection yeah so it's mostly the the spiritual ancestors uh, is uh, is and their and sacred places and traditions is that what you is that what you're particularly pointing to or would it also potentially include, you know, um, you know, in your case, your ancestors in Spain? Uh, yes, it's more the the tradition of the uh, the, sa- the sacred practices. ancestors. Okay, yeah. I got yeah. it. Okay. So totally, but you know, we are also a result of our of our physical ancestors' DNA. You know what right. we are doing right now. Or grandsons, if we have any grandsons, they're going to be taking the the benefit. You know, it takes right. two generations to shift uh, sometimes your consciousness. Uh, and what you got is probably because the work of your grandfather, you know. So what we got, you know, whatever it was doing, besides our own agreement with our own soul when we enter into this body, it also has that connection. Got it. So I, I had another uh, a separate question yeah. as well, because um, and it, and and you mentioned it earlier in, in one of your comments, but also um, you know you have uh, CDs and DVDs of your uh, gong work uh, available to people, and um, and uh, so one of the questions I have is is there a, is there a difference between 
you know, lis- listening to the sound reproduced through, through you know, uh, a sound system as opposed to being present physically to the, to the striking of the gong. Not that, not, I mean, you know, I'm going to guess that maybe the physical presence might be more powerful, but even so... And that doesn't that wouldn't discount the utility of the uh, CDs and DVDs. Is that is that a is that true? Yeah, yeah, and also it will also includes the technology that you use to the recording and how your spirituality in the recording. Every time that I record my CDs, mm-hmm. it's, it's in a full moon time or close to the full moon to bring even extra energy into it. Mm-hmm. I have a. Some of my students and avatars is meditating around the gongs while I'm playing. We create a space. We create an intention. All that gets printed in the recording, yeah? And and then binaural microphones to the distance of your ears, within, you know, a certain distance from the gong, uh, to create that also technology aspect of, of mm. whole listening to it. So, so you're saying that an important part of the production of media is um, the intention with by which it's created and the intention and, and so you put extra uh, work into the intention so that when you produce a um, artifact like a DVD or a, a CD that that intention is linked to it so that when it's distributed that linkage is still available for someone who's listening to it correct yeah and uh you know also the better equipment that you have in your home to listen to it the better uh but still you can use headphones or whatever and even though our, our third ear is the skin but um um but uh the effectivity of the gongs the cds that i created and so forth i would say probably 75 percent of a real gone or 80 percent Sometimes when I go into retreats and I teach in overseas and in Europe again and so forth, I just came from Ireland from teaching a retreat in the Berlin, um, in the West Coast. Uh, I had in the speakers another of the gong because I couldn't take all the gongs that I wanted to take to the trip. You know, hmm. logistically it doesn't work that great. People don't recognize there's a there's just a CD. You know, it's hmm. just there. So it, yeah, when there are uh, you know, you got a good system and you got that. Yeah. They really feel it. And, and that's why I created uh, this collection. There's all the planets. I have over 20 CDs in iTunes there. You can put my name in it. Or other uh, platforms of music that are there too. Um, just to, you know, to have it all. Sometimes combinations of planets and so forth. And, so, and just to tune yourself up. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I want to talk a little bit more about that because we spent a lot of time earlier talking about the intention and the state and the preparation for the person who is striking the gong, you know, the uh, the practitioner. But um, let's talk a little bit about the, the practice and uh, the preparation for someone to effectively listen to the gong, uh, in particular if one is uh, uh, takes advantage of, like, uh, uh, buying a DVD and, or, or a CD and listening, how does one do that? What do you can, walk us through? What uh, how one turns that the listening to the gong as a practice? 
Um, there's different ways to listen to the gong. You can do it. One is you can put it low volume through the whole night. <clears throat> you can also do like a short meditation, uh, 11 minutes, 30 minutes, or uh, six, 61 minutes. Uh, you can do a relaxation with the gong, uh, laying down on your back. So you can or in your side. You can sit in meditation posture and meditate with it so you don't kind of fall asleep. But sometimes you just fall asleep with the gong. And uh, how do you prepare to it? Uh, in our practice, we chant the mantras to receive the gong. Uh, but if you don't have a mantra or you don't have a uh, practice, you can just bring into your mind, this is for the highest good of all uh, for myself and to the universe. And, and then you bring in a particular intention uh, that you want to accomplish and that you want to uh, bring into your life, mm-hmm. a shift in, in vibration. Uh, what is it I want? First, what is you want? You want this. Okay, and then, and then you begin, like we talked about before, the lemon, you begin to feel it. You begin to feel in yourself and your presence that is already there with you while you're listening to the God. And basically, you are opening yourself to your unconscious. You're giving information to your unconscious to work for you. It's like you got your unconscious 900 horses pulling in one direction and 10 horses and your conscious mind pulling the other direction. <laughs> By opening the vortex and allowing those thoughts to come in when you are in a state of deep relaxation, you begin to train the 900 horses to go into the same direction that the 10 horses are going. Um, I would say it that way. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, uh, so, so... So when you do it in person, uh, though, at a, at a retreat or something like that, like you talked about on September, coming up on September 21st, I assume that you're doing you're you're creating a group as opposed to an individual with their CD or DVD um you're creating a group intention right because i i believe you said that earlier how does yeah. that how does that how does that um work yeah we create a group intention of for the planet and for the universe basically um so we we bring it on to spread love light peace and then uh, your personal personal intention also. So we give people a few minutes to to gather their their mind and to gather their intention and then bring it into a feeling, bring it into uh, an actual feeling that intention in themselves. I guess already been here. It's, it's already happening. You know? Uh, so that kind of... Uh, preparation and then on top of that we have besides the gun players we have uh, space holders basically we have somebody always that is kind of meditating in front and another one in the back and another one outside just kind of we call it the guardian Hmm. so we have um, before we play the gun because we take shifts my students we take shifts every hour and a half or so um, because we have usually about 10 different gongs between planetary and non-planetary gongs. And uh, and then before that, they hold the space 
uh, we take turns holding space in different locations on, on the on the venue uh, to to you know just have that safe space for uh, for energies uh, to to come and do their job or for us to just be feel protected and guided. It, yeah, yeah. It, it, well, it's interesting as you describe that. It, it is reminiscent to me of the structure of um, uh, magical rituals uh, in the uh, like the modern hermetic tradition. We've had had some folks on the show who describe there'll be different people holding different roles that are invoking a very sp- specific kind of energy, while there's also a process or a you know movement in the ritual as a whole you know to as as you say to fulfill an intention or to you know and that intention being to bring a quality of energy to bear for the either the participants or for the, the this plane or this world yeah yeah or whole or space holders we call it odin which is the father god of the north tradition uh in the center of the stage and then we have came down in the door which is keeping the gate uh from people coming in and coming out uh, as a gatekeeper and then four which is taking care of any disruptions around uh so that those are our guardians yeah mm-hmm. interesting so uh you know uh, we're getting uh close to the uh end of our time but i wanted to just ask uh Another sense of like the the work for the larger world. This this is always kind of an interesting um, uh, question or paradox because mm-hmm. at the same time there's nothing wrong and there's nothing to fix, and at the yeah. end uh, there also is a lot of people in the world today who feel that they're suffering. Yeah, that they're suffering and that and that and that things aren't what they could be. And you know, and that tension is being played in the world out all over the world right now. So, so it is an interesting time because there's great opportunity for spiritual growth. But you know, at, from one perspective, there's also a need for healing, and yet from another perspective, there's nothing to heal. So, h- how do you how do you uh, take all of those <laughs> energies? What how, how do you cook that into a soup? And uh, use the uh, Gong Avatar uh, Academy to contribute to a better world. Yes, I. Um, you're right. It's a paradox, and that's how it is. And uh, you know, the best way that we do it is what Tilopa says: lose and natural. You know, it's being lose and natural, and. Uh, and yes, you are dealing with with uncomfortable vibration of non-resonance, and but it, a lot of times it's just created by your own mind, or all the time, and and we think uh, you know it just uh, somebody else did it to us, or somebody thinks happens, and and it just we are all part of these you know wonderful place whole earth and with this this three-dimensional stage and the Gunavata Academy is designed for that purpose to really help understand that we already have everything that we need and at the same time we don't 
and at the same time we do. And that is having one leg in this world and one leg in the other world. As a three-dimensional beings, we see each other as a separate, and sometimes that brings pain and that brings sorrow and that brings things. As we elevate our frequency, and we begin to feel more as a one, as a one, uh, oneness state of of being. And when we subside that distance, then we can override the, the wanting to go, um, the longing, yeah. And just we are born in this earth, we come out of the womb, and boom, alone. And we spend the rest of our life trying to get back into the womb. You know? <laughs> so it's like, uh, how can we come back into the oneness again? You know, The oneness is within each one of our own selves. Um, every cell of my body is the whole universe. And scientists are recognizing that more and more that uh, the more they go dig deep into our, our, our beings. So it's to bring that awareness that, uh, that this is uh, a magic place, uh, a candy store, and, and to have fun, to have fun doing what you're doing, to enjoy. You know, and the reason why I teach this is not because I want to teach, it's because I'm having fun doing it. I'm taking care of myself. If I don't take care of myself, I can't take care of the world. I can't take care of anybody. So, then uh, you are the creator. You are the the universe within yourself. Well, thank you. It, it's clear from uh, your work and the uh, that uh, you draw from a lots of different traditions, and there's kind of this uh, creative uh, uh, playfulness about pulling from, you know, very different traditions and yet aligning them uh, to produce some very interesting results for people. So uh, we appreciate that. So maybe you could just by uh, by way of closing let people know where they can find you online and about the upcoming uh, um, uh, planetary gong session that's happening and whether or not people can connect with that even remotely. Yeah, we actually, I was really developing a way that we can, <clears throat> besides doing it remotely, we can also, in a future concert, we can have like an access to live Facebook or something. Mm. But uh, the sound that goes through the internet doesn't play it that well. So. <laughs> it might help uh, the internet, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but at least we can have a visual of what's happening, because we do one movement that we call it Gong Fu. Which is like we dance. Yeah. Gone fu. Fu means to do something with mastery, you know, like mm-hmm. kung fu. So gone fu is a little bit that, and and it's a very physical exercise. And I think in one day it would be in yoga studios, mm-hmm. um, in which we'll practice that, in which we use the uh, different elements. Is that uh, is that, is that something that you developed, or the or the yogi Bajam helped help develop, or both? No. I developed that, yes. Ah, and okay. uh, uh, basically, we we just took Yogi Bhajan's practices, keeping them, and and the Gons they just keep keep guiding me to develop different things and different yeah. practices, still being true to our teacher um, mm-hmm. and our guide. But uh, yeah, we developed many other things, and and so these 
uh, Gong Fu is an amazing practice in which you move through the elements. Earth, fire, uh, earth, water, fire, uh, air, ether, as you play in it. Mm. And um, and I have a very nice friend, his name is John Bellew. He developed uh, these tuning forks for the planets. And um, and we're working together, too. I'm working, and uh, I love his work. Uh, just an amazing practice with tuning forks that we use. And we do also like a concert with tuning forks and the gongs. And uh, just an amazing, the East Coast is over there. Um, he travels to all the world, too. And so uh, to contact the Academy, I have the gong avataracademy.com um, and the internet and then um, right now this is our 11th year anniversary since I started to teach in groups before I was teaching individually but since I started to put the teams together uh, this this September I'm starting the team number 41 here in California uh, and the phase the first phase is 13 months just five year uh, trains and um, so we meet once a month for about five hours and uh, very affordable rates for people and their offerings and, and just develop uh, also a new training in France uh, have a trainer there that is just working with a new team over there in Europe um, we have our school in Miami for five years or six years. Um, this year also started in San Diego, another trainer. So depending when you are, and, you know, a lot of times people say, well, but I don't live there. But really they can do it in the Internet, through the Internet. They just have to have a gone yeah. to practice the gone. But uh, uh, I have people coming from different places, from Canada, from whatever, and um and then just we just meet them through the internet, and and it's an amazing practice. Well, and like we know, the best group is between eight to ten people or five to ten people. How do you get the maximum, um, you know, benefit from it? It's just known that that's how you move faster. That's, um, that's great. I mean, we re we really appreciate you uh, joining us uh, today for the Mystical Positivist. And, uh, Absolutely. We're very grateful, and uh, thank you so much for sharing your work with us and talking about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here, and thank you for your, you know, uh, calling me in and bringing me into these, your space. And I'd like to invite you to come down to experience this in, in September the 21st. And, and and Laguna Beach will have these amazing concerts. Great. Well, uh, well, well thank you. not connect with us mentally. Great. Well, th thank you so much. Thank you very much. All right. Well, you take care. Have a, have a good evening. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You have been listening to The Mystical Positivist. This is your host, Stuart Goodnick. This week on the show, Rob and I have been speaking by telephone with Sotantara Saraj, a widely recognized gong master teacher, kundalini yoga teacher, and kundalini yoga teacher trainer. Sotantara has worked with and had the opportunity to learn from kundalini yoga master Yogi Bhajan, world-renowned gong master teacher Don Kunro, the world-renowned tantra teacher Mahasattva Ma Ananda Sarita. 
Sodandar is also a Reiki master and sound therapist and hypnotherapist. Next week on The Mystical Positivist, we broadcast a conversation with longtime fourth-way practitioner Federico Balsa that we pre-recorded via Zoom, via the Zoom app on uh, August 18th, 2019. Federico Balsa is a retired Argentine high school teacher who has been a sincere and persistent practitioner for over 30 years and is a founding member of the Seekers Cafe website. He began his fourth-way practice through the lens of an absolutely skeptical, formatory mind, intelligentsia-worshipping personality. After 11 years of practice, he had the fourth-way equivalent of a Kensho, or Satori, which was the point at which his skillful practice of intentional suffering really began, as he realized that his previous arrogant self-aggrandizing views had no reliable foundation. His subsequent fourth-way practice deeply informed his work with his high school students and his own children. Tune in for that show on Saturday, September 7th, from 4 to 6 p.m., right here. Upcoming on the spiritual calendar in Sonoma County at the Thursdays at Mini Rivers event in Sebastopol, we resume after our summer hiatus on the, the September 5th with an apology for transcendence with Jim Wilson. The Daddy Ching Chapter 25 states, Something mysteriously formed, born before heaven and earth, in the silence and the void, standing alone and unchanging, ever-present and in motion. Perhaps it is the mother of ten thousand things. I do not know its name. Call it Tao. For lack of a better word, I call it great. Being great, it flows. It flows far away. Having gone far, it returns. There is an ancient tradition that sees the world as a symbol of a deeper reality that lies beyond our sensory experience. By transcending our sensory experience, we can shift our attention to the source, the mysteriously formed, from which all things arise and to which all things return. In the modern world, this view is difficult to access. Contemporary culture places peculiar obstacles to the awareness of the mysteriously formed. Using the ancient spiritual traditions of Taoism and Platonism as our guides, we will discuss the way of transcendence and what this ancient way has to offer us today. Jim Wilson is a former Buddhist monk and abbot, a former prison chaplain, and a member of a local Quaker meeting. He spends most of his free time writing poetry. Thank you for joining us once again for the Mystical Positivist. Podcasts of all our shows can be found at www.mysticalpositivist.blogspot.com as well as commentary and discussion of topics of interest to the show. Also, please send comments and feedback to mysticalpositivist at gmail.com and join us again next Saturday. We leave you with music from a CD called Sounds of Cape Breton Island, recorded by Ed Herman in 2016. This track is called Waves Near the House.